inch by inch, row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warn them from below till the rain comes tumbling down. It is time for In the Garden with Peter Burke. Our program is brought to you by the Willie Store, family-owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Polly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By these flowers and garden shop, flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and more in Waitsfield. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. Top quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PR Lumber, open to serve you right there on Route 15 in Walcott with great family milled lumber for all your projects. Check out PR Lumber on Facebook. And by Guy's Farm and Yard with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, Guy's can feed it. Guy'sFarmandYard.com And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center in Bethel. They've got everything you need. And thank you, Dandelion Acres in Bethel, for sponsoring the In the Garden podcast. Oh, I hope someone blesses <laughs> because uh, shipments have been eating them. But right now, the telephone lines are open, 802-244-1777. And I don't know, do you, do, do you eat seeds at all, Peter? Like, do you salt your, uh, do you, salt your uh, you know, your... Sunflower seeds and things like that? Oh, yeah, of course. No, nah, I guess yeah. just about every critter does. Yes. And if uh, yeah, if you'd like to see a whole bunch of infrahuman yeah. mammalian critters <laughs> and avian critters as well eating seeds, just come to my backyard. <laughs> Holy <Okay>. mackerel. <laughs> Why don't they eat the weed seeds? Yeah, here? no. Well, they, they may, but it doesn't help you much. Uh, anyway, well, welcome. Hello. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good day to you. So, uh, uh, it's beautiful out there today. Um, I am unhappy to report that the black flies are out now in full force. Uh, um, of course, I, you notice that when you come in town where there's concrete asphalt, uh, there really aren't too many black flies. So you, you can guess that uh, the black flies are, are in the, the weeds and the and the we were raking this morning where there was a patch of um, of uh, wet leaves uh, underneath a pile of construction material and oh my gosh we get that and they just came out in like in a cloud of um, so uh, um, between them and of course the ticks and the ticks are are pretty serious business really uh, the black flies are mostly a discomfort and some people have quite the reaction to them i know my wife does so uh, i sort of have the 3 c's of of bug protection and that's cover completely and check afterwards and so when I um, go out to garden and and as much as uh, you know it's nice out and what you want to do is just be barefoot in the garden in your shorts um I would not recommend that unless you happen to be in in town somewhere and you don't have uh, those uh, those those bugs but uh I have a a light pair of khaki plant pants and I wear the shoes with uh, full you know full socks I tuck the bottom of the pants into the socks. I wear a long sleeve t-shirt and then I actually put a, uh, a, a, you know, a bug hat on. And there's, there's quite a few different bug hats. Uh, we happen to have these, uh, these baseball caps that has a, a little pouch right over the brim and that wraps down and around. And we got those because when we were, uh, 
we were canoeing, it was really nice to have the baseball cap as well. Plus the, the cap of the, of the hat, the brim of the hat keeps the, the, um, screen away from your face. So, um, <clears throat> and then of course I, the long sleeve, um, t-shirt I tuck into gloves. I tuck them right into my gloves so that they're, you know, they're nice and tight there. And if you can't get a nice tight fit, then I'd suggest using a rubber band or something. And this way, <clears throat> it's a lot like, uh, oh, oh, we call it the garden fortress is, you know, you, you need to protect yourself. You need to cover and cover completely. And, and then afterwards check because, um, you know, it only takes one, one little tick to, to, uh, ruin your summer. So. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I heard on another, on another talk show. Yeah. A fellow called in and I wish I had gotten off the bat. I did not his mm-hmm. specific location, but, yeah. um, you know, either at Chittenden or Franklin County from that radio station. But at any rate, uh, he said like, you know, 10 years ago, he would never find a tick mm-hmm. at all. And mm-hmm. now going out with his dog, he gets about 30 yeah. on the dog and on himself. Yeah. yeah. Now, I'm in Colchester in Mallets Bay, and we went out for a nice long walk in the woods mm-hmm. on, uh, oh, yesterday it was, yeah. yesterday, yesterday morning. Not one tick on the dog, not mm-hmm. one tick on me, and mm-hmm. uh, we were out there for, you know, in the woods, in the bog, everywhere, yeah. you know, where you would expect to find them. Now, my dog has that Soresto collar on, yeah. and I know that protects her, but uh, it's interesting. It, uh, I knock on wood, you know, I'm going to jinx myself, but I have not been badly uh, affected by ticks. I've found them on myself and pulled them off, but yeah. only a half dozen yeah. over as many years. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. Well, right now, uh, of course, you know, there are two major types of ticks. One's the dog tick, which is, oh, you know, maybe an eighth inch or maybe a little larger. And that, for the most part, is not does not carry Lyme disease, but it carries other diseases, so you don't really want to um, leave them on you <laughs> in any case. But the uh, deer ticks are oh, about half that size. They're about 16th of yeah. It's a little harder to see and and takes a little more diligence to... Um, and I, I see deer in my backyard, so it's not mm-hmm. that there aren't uh, deer, you know, deer out deer, in Mallets yeah. Bay. In yeah. fact, they're kind of captive. They have no place to go. Yeah. Know, they, well, either they could swim to New York or, or stay where <laughs> they are, you know. And so they're there, and I presume deer would have deer tick with Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is interesting and perplexing and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and very frightening too, yeah. you know. Yeah, you can definitely put you on edge, but. Do you ever put it, a deer propel, uh, propel, repellent, yeah. repellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't need, deer, we don't need, uh, dick, we don't need, uh, you know, tick repellent. <laughs> yeah, uh, but a, a tick repellent on uh-huh. clothing do you yes ever, yeah, yeah. yeah not on yourself but on the clothing on the clothing yeah. and yeah. that's that's kind of cool i i know uh my uh, son-in-law first introduced me to that because he's an avid outdoorsman and uh he said oh i get these at i can't remember where he got them from but one of the outdoor clothing and it's permeated with this not pyrethrum it's uh pem pem you know it's it's sort of like a a pyrethrin base, but anyway, you put it on the clothes, and it actually lasts for a few washings. Yeah, they say six washings. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is yeah. a, and the, and that's great. I, you know, definitely anything like that is is definitely worth the worth the money. But on to on to well, the topic today uh, that I want to talk about is the uh, is trellises, but. Mm-hmm. Before we start on the the trellis, I should just go over next week, which is Memorial Day, getting ready for that. Uh, by now, hopefully, you have all your your beds uh, dug up and and ready and and drying out so that there's no water standing on them. And you want to make sure that uh, well, if you have your if you've already bought uh, plants or you have your own um, uh, plant starts or plant sets. Um, to make sure you this week that you harden them off because when they come into that uh, pretty when they go out 
they're inside in a pretty cushy environment, warm and no wind and no cold. And so you want to get them sort of used to uh, the little cooler. So you want to harden off those things before you, you set them out, even, even so. Now, most of your uh, veggie starts that you get from, well, like Kate Farms or Agway or Blue Seal, those have been outdoors and in unheated greenhouses. So you don't really need to worry too, too much about those, but if you do your own sets, you really need to take uh, take the week, and uh, I recommend just putting them out in a shaded spot um, that's cool, uh, and try to just gradually leave them in the sun a little bit longer. Well, you know, I know that's that's kind of tough if you're working a full day. Um, so in that case, if you can't you know move them during the middle of the day, then then I recommend you just you keep them in a shaded spot where there's partial sun or the sun, you know, uh, even if you use like a little, uh, uh, you know, tent-like thing uh, to give them a little bit of shade so they don't dry out. I noticed uh, I left my uh, basil out and uh, the holy basil, the, the Tulsi, and um, it's really dry out uh, right now. And... So uh, that's one of the things that um, if you have seeds that you've planted, you want to make sure you go back and give them a good watering. And the watering goes just a double for uh, your blueberries and your perennials like your asparagus and your uh, rhubarb and all those guys that, that are perennials. Even your apple trees or uh, your raspberries, you want to make sure that, that they're um, – that they have enough moisture right now. This is, uh, um, from what I hear, at least from Roger, it is particularly dry and, and it's a, not been a wet spring. We'll make it up, I'm sure, at some point. But right now, at the at the first bloom, you want to make sure you, you go ahead and, and water. And it seems like, oh, why water so early in the season? But, you know, they, they need that inch of rain right from the get-go, right from the time you're planted on. So get out there and water those guys. And, and while we're talking about blueberries, you want to get the holly tone from Blue Seal or, uh, or Agway or uh, any of our other sponsors. The holly tone is, is a, uh, a high-acid fertilizer that is works really well for blueberries and and other other uh, high acid uh, plants most of those are are just uh, uh you know the um, uh plants not necessarily for food so anyway the holly tone is the one and there probably are other ones there you can uh this is a good time to actually uh, although uh you know, next week from that day on, from next Saturday on, we should not have a frost. Now that's, you know, that's a, this is a law of averages. You know, uh, we saw Thursday night, we had a pretty good time. I had 20, 25 degrees at my house. And um, so that was what I consider a hard frost. Um, so don't get ahead of yourself. Don't be tempted by a nice week this week. Go ahead and wait. And until Saturday or Sunday to do your planting or even Monday or Tuesday, you know. Uh, so try not to, to press it. And the reason that that's important is that uh, it's not just the air temperatures that that um, that are important. The soil temperature is just as important. Um, like, you know, for your cold tolerant, the ones that I've already recommended that we plant, like uh, beets, the soil temperature can be 40 degrees, lettuce 32, peas maybe 40, spinach 32, your cabbage and all your cold plants uh, can be 40, or and uh, carrots can be 40. So we planted all those things already. Um, uh, but, you know, like beans... Uh, they want the soil temperature to be 60 degrees. Now, if you are using beds, like I recommend, you'll find that the beds uh, warm up faster, and, of course, they dry out faster, too. So that kind of puts you ahead of the game. But it's still uh, it's worth the price of the thermometer um, 
Uh, I got mine at, at Agway, and then I got the pH meter over Blue Seal. And these things are, are really helpful to, to know. And, and, you know, with your regular crops, like beans is 60 and cukes is 60. Squash, though, wants a little bit warmer. Uh, pumpkins are 70 degrees. Eggplant and peppers are okay with 60 degrees and tomatoes. So it's it's worth just double-checking if you're in a cold hollow, as Roger would say, if you're in a cold hollow, to just double-check what your what your soil temperatures are so that... Uh, um, <clears throat> And when you're in a cold hollow, get a jug of cider while you're there. That's what I always do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, don't don't be deceived. We're supposed to get a. We got a little rain this morning, but you know that is not really rain for the garden. That that'll wet the top of the soil, but there will be no water actually soaks down in unless you get a good half uh, half an inch at a time, a couple days in a row. Um, you need to water because they want a full one inch of water right through the season. And in in the hotter temperatures in July and August, they they actually need two inches. Um, And I've seen this because I I grow some of my tomatoes in in containers, and there's a four-gallon reservoir in the bottom. And I've noticed that that they will suck up... um, uh, each plant will suck up about a gallon a day. So even that four-gallon reservoir only lasts a couple of days. The so-called self-watering containers. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> uh, self-watering, uh, yeah, you, means you get you're you're the self that waters them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a second it sounds like one of the uh, unexplained miracles of life. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it'd be a good idea now to take our break, and oh, then we okay. can get right into trellises. Yep. Uh, because I think that's a very important. Uh, thanks to you, I now have cucumbers that don't look like those uh, oh, bent carrots they put on the television. That's, That's another story by itself. <laughs> so at any rate, <laughs> thanks to it, trellis. Well, not trellis won't cure everything, but uh, it'll it'll help. Thank you, <laughs> and we thank these fine sponsors for making the program possible. Meet all of your gardening needs and desires at Dandelion Acres in Bethel. Make a statement with trees and shrubs. Grow your own vegetables and fruits with a selection of veggie starts, fruit trees, and berry bushes. And add color with annual and perennial flowers, including lush flowering hanging baskets. Don't forget the accents, unique statuary, pottery, and garden furniture. Plus, soils, fertilizers, and mulches. Everything you need and lots of things you want in one place. Dandelion Acres in Bethel, online at dandelionacres.com. Our number is 802-244-1777. And once again, here's Peter. <laughs> hey, Joel. Yep, we're back at it. And um, let's see. There's probably a few things about Memorial Day that I'll probably go back to. But let's talk about the trellises for a minute so we don't lose time on that. Um uh, if you haven't heard me say before how uh, uh, trellis is one of the key space-saving um, uh, tools you can use in the garden, uh, the, there's now recently a number of books about vertical gardening and growing up and the vertical veg and all those things. Uh, uh, and it's true. It's the example that I use over and over, of course, is with cucumbers in uh, four square feet uh, with a trellis. You can grow eight cucumber plants. That's two per square foot. And um, they grow up on a trellis very easily. They're easy to train up. Uh, and that's four square feet. And by if you grow them on the ground, it would take roughly 30 square feet. So that's a, a huge uh, savings in space, huge savings in the initial work to turn the soil and prepare it. Um, you know, and when you water, you've only got four square feet to water, fertilize only four square feet. So it really does make uh, life a lot easier. And then I always like it 
particularly with the cucumbers, I kind of shake the trellis a little bit, and you can you get you can see where all the cucumbers are. So there's no no runaway cucumbers uh, in, in, on your vine because you can see them and easily pick them. Now I always put the trellis on the backside, what I call the backside, the north side of my bed. And again, the most of the beds I have in my garden are four foot by four foot. So this trellis, you know, is is on that one uh, four foot strip along the back, and the um, I'll use depending on what I'm growing, I'll use either strings down or I've actually I have so many of the the wire fencing uh, pieces that that I usually use those now. And so I'll cut, um, depending on the height of the, of the trellis, I'll cut either two, uh, three foot pieces of the vinyl clad, uh, fencing or two pieces of four foot if I have the, uh, eight foot trellises that I use. Now, eight foot may seem like a, a lot of really high trellis, but the fact is, is that you're, um, you know, you're, you're, uh, Sweet and uh, your sugar sugar snaps they'll grow easily eight foot without any problem whatsoever, and uh, your um, uh, your your pole beans will grow eight foot without any problem at all. So, you know, uh, if you can, if if you're so inclined, the eight foot is is really a, um, is preferred for those kinds of things. Obviously, if you're growing uh, just garden peas or you know, certain kinds of bush tomatoes, those kinds of things. You don't need eight feet, and you can do fine with a with a three foot. But I try to make all mine now eight foot, so that as I rotate, because I like don't like to plant the same kind of uh, plant uh, year after year. I like to rotate it, so I I'm now uh, uh, have most of my trellis is uh, eight foot. Um, so uh, let's see. Oh, uh, the the other um, benefit of growing on a trellis, of course, is that you're less uh, susceptible to bugs, more or less, because your vines are off the ground and your fruits are off the ground. Um, I'm sure you've all seen the uh, the slug tracks on some of the cucumbers at the farmers market. Um, so what you what you want is uh, you want to get them up off the ground so that uh, and also you don't get the the yellow side. Oh, we get a call. Well, I guess we should go right to it. Hey, Forbes from East Corinth. Forbes, how are you today? Good. Uh, I noticed uh, I was kind of interested in your fertilizer um, info. Yeah. And um, I'm going to share with you some mistakes and, and uh, gains that I've made. Uh-huh. Uh, Memorial Day, of course, has always been a traditional, you don't plant much that's sensitive uh, before Memorial Day. Yeah. But the killer frost yep. wiped out, I don't know how many of my friends, all all the tomato plants, everything oh, else. This year? Yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah, yeah. So it's always been kind of in Vermont, a rule of thumb, uh, Memorial Day is your threshold. Yeah, yeah, it's not worth the risk, you know, honestly, in my humble opinion. (laughs) What I found with a lot of my material is that um, I wait until uh, the bud bud, uh, development before I put any fertilizer on, you know, things like blueberries and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. And... uh, it's um, the grasses under any any type of tree or fruit eat up thirty percent of your fertilizer. Oh, no kidding! Wow. Itself wow. Before the plant ever gets it, so you got to add pretty much thirty percent if you have grass growing or anything mm-hmm. else, mm-hmm. bush or shrub yep. or anything. Yep. That's interesting. And uh, if you plant potatoes, <laughs> never use lime. <laughs> Unless you want scabby potatoes. Yeah, and then I've also heard not to use manure for uh, for potatoes. That, that, right. That creates scab, yeah. too. Yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. But fertilizing, the, the timing of it is, is so crucial. Uh-huh. You want to, um, the lime only moves uh, an inch a year. So uh, whatever you're liming, if you are, that, that's no problem ever as far as... Uh, being killed by that, that ending frost of the 
and you're putting your cabbage sets and your tomato sets and uh, starts in the ground, do you fertilize then, or do you wait in, uh, a while? No, I, you know, usually uh, uh, maybe uh, a half a week or something like that after, mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. make sure you get over that real, yeah. what you call killer frost. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to be pushing the plant or bud or flowers Mm-hmm. into a frost. The plant will take it sometimes, depending on what it is, but if it's budded and the flowers are pretty sensitive, that cold set will kill them if you push mm-hmm. the plant too too mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. Well, I've noticed my blueberries are, they're budded up real good right now, and uh, I that was my reminder to go ahead and give them a little something to, uh, uh, you know, for fertilizer. And also, I just as important. I wanted to get the um, the acidic acidifier, the, the sulfur, whatever else is in the olitone, uh, because I I actually had uh, the yellow leaves on my on my um, blueberries last year, and I found out that it wasn't nitrogen, but it was the there were it was too alkaline. It wasn't acidic enough. So that's why I mentioned you want to make sure you have. Uh, Either yeah. either do a pH test or or uh, well for me since it's so drastic. I'll, yeah, blueberries like a, you know a four point three. Uh, <laughs> yeah. very acidic. Uh, very balance. acidic, yes, yeah, as, as yeah. a whole, yeah. And so they and grow. I, I fertilize them just when they uh, actually turning pink and ready to come into blossom. Oh really? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I might That's be a little because they're so shallow rooted. Yeah. That you can amend them real quickly. Oh. Uh, and uh, the roots are right up near the end of the ground. Uh-huh. But the grasses, again, weed up 30% of whatever you put in most plants, 30% of any fertilizer. you uh-huh. got to add that to what uh-huh. the recommended radius. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I have uh, uh, mulch around my blueberries. I've got two rows of five blueberries, and I have a, a landscape cloth and then bark over the top of them. So... There's no grass, you know, probably right. the closest grass is about a foot away on the front edge, but on the back side it goes right up to the house. So well, You'd probably be all right there as far as the grass goes. Mulch, of course, is going to absorb uh, some of your fertilizer yep. Yep. and have a slower release as yep. the rains, rains wash it through the uh, the mulch. Well, what I, what I do actually is I I sort of pull the landscape cloth back uh, around a foot or so around the plant, and that's where I put the fertilizer. Um, so and then I'll just you know replace the landscape cloth and put the bark back on top of it because as you say the bark can can eat up a lot of the nitrogen out of that fertilizer. So right, and anything. Uh you know, a plant with a root, as far as the plant goes out, like a, a tree or anything, you go to what you call a drip line. Yeah. And uh, you don't want to put fertilizer in near the main part because that's just conduit. The feeder roots are out at what they call a drip line of a plant. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you want to, most of your fertilizer should be concentrated out there so yeah. the feeder roots can pick it up. Yeah, maybe I should uh, pull back that that stuff uh, more than a foot or so then, because they probably go. Yeah, and I'm past that, so you get the roots uh, Mm -hmm. headed outward, looking for new food Mm -hmm. too. If you put it in too close to the plant, the the roots will come come back looking for food and stymie the growth of the plant. Mm So, no, uh, just things you make mistakes with and you learn. <laughs> Hopefully. You listen to some old-timers or whatever it might be. But yep. Yeah, yep. that's pretty essential anyway. Yeah, well, good. Uh, I appreciate okay. the tip. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so have you, do you ever use a trellis on any of your garden stuff? Pardon? Do you ever use a trellis on any of your garden stuff? Um, no, mm-hmm. usually not. Mm-hmm. No. Um, grapes. 
uh, they're different. They, uh, they you don't want to go in with any acidic uh, uh, fertilizer at all. Because yeah. They, they like an alkaline environment, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. high alkaline. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you'd use uh, not, uh, you know, if you went in with uh, um, lime or anything like that, you would use a high calcium. Uh-huh. Okay. High calcium, like the dolomite, the dolomite line, like that. Yeah, 5, 10, 10, Mm -hmm. towards grapes, uh, Mm. not a 10, 10, 10. Mm -hmm. Mm. uh, Interesting. And again, they're shallow-rooted, and a lot of times liquid works real quick. On the foliage, a foliar feed? Yeah, yeah. Or are you talking about pouring it on? Mm. Roots quicker. Mm. A granule, it takes quite a while to break down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, like a progro takes a while to. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's always been yeah. the the thing with the commercial fertilizers. The they're sort of water soluble and they're faster acting, but they're right. They, they do bad things to the yeah. soil structure itself. So. On potatoes, I I put my trough in, mm-hmm. put my spur, uh, fertilizer down, mm-hmm. and then I drag a chain. Uh-huh. Through the uh, trough, uh-huh. and that mixes uh, your fertilizer and and soil uh-huh. immediately, uh-huh. so you get a better release. Part of the chain gang, huh? Just a chain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you don't have such a high concentrate in one area because now right. it's mixed in with the soil. Mi- mixed in with the soil, yeah. To burn the roots. Yep. Okay. Good. Well, uh, thanks again for okay. the tip. I appreciate that. And I'm sure people enjoy, uh, you know, what you're putting out there. We're, we're all novice, I guess, at times. Well, I, you know, it seems like every year I learn at least a few things uh, that I didn't know before. But, you know, and and the techniques change. You know, for years and years and years, I just uh, rototilled and planted in rows. And, and uh, it was 1981. I started with the beds and... I've never looked back, so my real rototiller, and that was that. Yeah, um, your growable material usually is only in the top three inches of soil. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And the rest is uh, it doesn't do the plant any good at all. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, the the interesting part of. Uh, what uh, Mel Bartholomew came up in the square foot gardening, he says, you know, six inches is really that's that's the key, right? That that top six inches is that's, that's yeah. You want to kind of like pull that aside, yeah, yep. uh, minus the the uh, earth, and then save that, and that that would go into the root area, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then put uh, the worst soil on top because <laughs> you want to uh, defeat the the grass growth. <laughs> Well, okay. All right, buddy. Thanks. Well, thank you, and uh, I guess more on the topic as we've got Greg in Callis on the line. Thank you. Greg in Callis, welcome. How are you? Uh, I, I, it's not nothing to do with, with that, but I, 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 uh, my lawn, I was just wondering if Forbes or anybody might be able to help me try to um, alleviate some dandelions. <laughs> <laughs> well, not possible. People, yeah, it's a you know you you just mow them as, as often as you can if you can possibly uh, mow off the flowers, you know that keeps them from spreading around. Um, my wife won't let me mow the dandelions because she says the bees need the dandelions, bees so you leave birds. them. Alone. I know everybody. <laughs> everybody tells me that when they go by, oh, leave them, but I don't like them and. Yeah. I like my lawn clean and tight. I just yeah. wondered if there was a way to help try to get rid of them. Well, I, you know, depending on, uh, you know, how, how important it is to you, you get out there with the, with the dandelion spade, you know, one of the, the forks. No, I got a big lawn over an acre. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, unless you really want to, uh, you know, spray it with a weed killer and that kind of thing. Which, okay. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it's uh, just keep it mowed well, and and that's about the best you can do. Um, yeah, with it, let the bees have them. Well, yeah, let the bees have them, and uh, and 
just be part of the cycle of life. <laughs> That's right. So I guess I'll just deal with them and let the bees have them. Yeah, yeah. Well, you hey, can try eating. Yeah. I love your program. And oh, well, thanks, Greg. I appreciate it. <laughs> good to hear from, yep. hear from you. I love yeah. hearing everything about. I don't garden anymore, but I love yeah, arms. I, I want to do something. Yeah, when it's a, well, try a container. Uh, just do one or two containers, and you can grow a, t- a single tomato plant. Or if you like to cook, you can plant your uh, plant a, a a bunch of uh, basil in there and parsley, and just have them outside the door so you can go out and clip them and add them to a recipe or two. You know, gardening can be big or small. It's um, it's just the joy. I I really enjoy cooking and. And having those, uh, uh, I've got those uh, scallions coming up right now. The, the and, and those are great. Uh, they're, they're. Uh, I used them in one of my. And uh, so you heard of the wren, right? The wren. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm not sure what you're talking about. I thought a wren was. Uh, well, I heard it on DEV one morning. Some guy was having some scrambled eggs or an omelet or something. He said he put wren in it, and that was like a wild scallion or an onion. Oh, 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 oh. And I, uh, I'm not sure, but I think that's a ramp, R-A-M-P, ramp. And that's, oh, okay. that is a wild leek. And and you're right. In the scrambled eggs, it would be delicious. I I put them in, <laughs> in my my scrambled tofu too. You know, <laughs> absolutely like our garlic and onion. Yeah, absolutely in everything. <laughs> hey, thank you guys. All right, Greg. Good to uh, talk to you. Thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I was thinking a Carolina wren. You know, fry up the little guy. No, no, Jimmy <laughs> Dean sausage better. But uh, yeah, ramps. You know, make make sure that they are ramps. I think they're. The uh, university put out uh, an advisory to make sure because there's a lookalike that's really not very good for you. Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've heard the same thing, but um, I, I have those uh, walking onions and they're just walking all over. So I just go around and sort of clean out the garden and pull them up and and uh, have a little bunch of scallions in the fridge uh, mm-hmm. whenever I need them or want them. And, and uh, they're great on topping uh, for a salad because they're not too strong in onion flavor. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're a little bit. Uh... 244-1777 is our number. And once again, here's Peter. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Yeah, uh, Dandelion Acres, huh? Well, I mentioned that. Of course, a, Greg has an acre of dandelions. He does, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and boy, they are out now. I drive through East Montpelier and just even the the farm, even the farms are just. Uh, I wonder if the cows actually like the dandelions or not. But anyway, um, trellises. The the number one trellis that I use, and I've used the first ones that I built were was 1981, and this was. Uh, I use uh, two pieces of electrical conduit, half-inch conduit. Um, they run anywhere from 3 to $5 a piece for a 10-foot length. And I would use two of those, and I had a pipe bender. The first ones I made, I asked the, the guys with the hardware store if they had a pipe bender, and sure enough, they did. And they bent them so that um, they came out 46 inches between the between the two uprights, the, so that would fit right inside my my 48 inch box. So uh, when you bend them like that, all you need is one coupling. So it's two pieces of electrical conduit, 10 foot long, bent um, uh, on one end, and then uh, one coupling. And so the, you're talking maybe. Ooh, uh, 10, 11, 12 dollars, maybe 15, just depending. Um, the coupling is, is very cheap. So what I do is I, I use my spud bar and go down about 18 inches. I set the, the, the one end, the unbent, the straight end of the conduit inside the box and then I just tamp around it so it holds steady. And this is surprisingly strong. Uh, then at that point, I either uh, run down strings for uh, like tomatoes. So there's only four of them on there. 
But of late, uh, I have so many uh, pieces of the the, the vinyl-covered uh, uh, fencing that I just cut the fencing at 48, 50 inches and then just crimp it around the the conduit on the edges. So if you have an 8-foot, I use two 4-foot pieces. If I have a 6-foot, I use two 3-foot three, two, three pieces. And that that will last, well... I, the ones that I built in 1981, I'm still using. So um, when you take that, uh, you know, $15 or whatever it is and spread it out over, well, this would be 20 and 20, so 40 years, um, the the price is very reasonable, you know, and, and they last and last and last. They, they held up over the Irene when that was pouring for, it seemed like days on end. Um, and, uh, you know, the, even though it was blowing and stuff and I had vines to all the way to the very top, cherry tomatoes with tomatoes on them and big, you know, um, uh, some of the salad that tomatoes. Anyway, they, they were strong enough to withstand those storms and, and, uh, you know, we get some pretty good winds even without a storm. Uh, coming down uh, across the um, uh, Eagle Ledge down into Calus and stuff. So uh, I'll um, this week I'll actually put uh, a couple of pictures. Uh, I'll post them on the WDEV Facebook if you want to take a look at them. Um, and that that is the simplest way. The other way that I've done it too is um, I've actually take two four foot pieces of rebar and and hammering them into the ground. So there's about two feet down and two feet uh, up. Um, of course, one thing you want to make sure of is that you don't have any utility lines going <laughs> down to your garden. <laughs> I did happen to have one gas line go right straight across my my uh, yard, and I had to mark that pretty carefully because, <laughs> you know, you don't want to get carried away with the gas line. Anyway, um, I drove the uh, rebar in, and the rebar is just the right size to, to, to slide in to the, you know, the inside diameter of a half-inch conduit. I mean, it fits snug, but it fits perfectly, you know, nice and tight, doesn't slop around, and with two feet in the ground and two feet out, it makes, again, a very sturdy um a, a very sturdy trellis. So what I would do is I would take one of those 10-foot pieces and cut it in half. So I had two 5-foot pieces on the ends. And then I would take a, a third 5-foot piece and bend it. So that gave me the 5-foot plus another, um, well, almost 8, 10 inches. So it was almost a 6-foot trellis. And uh, what I found is, uh, as as I've mentioned before, that the six foot was just not enough for something. So it, it was it was lucky on those ones. All I needed to do was add a two foot piece of conduit and another coupling, and I and I would have um, uh, an eight foot uh, an eight foot uh, trellis. So um, the the conduit is is probably your least expensive, and certainly uh, for forty years. It's, it's probably the most durable, and I've found that it is remarkably, uh, uh, u- remarkably, um, easy to use, easy to make, and, and it's so, um, I would just say easy to adapt to all different kinds of vegetables, whether you're growing. Uh, I've used them for tomatillas, which is a, is a real challenge because that thing just grows like crazy all over the place. I've used it for growing my uh, zucchini, which I really love to grow the zucchini. That's that uh, that mostly the trombone zucchini, but I've also done the the regular Italian zucchini, uh, the regular you know uh, regular old green zucchini. The one that you, uh, if you fertilize them too much and ignore them, grow to about 40 pounds. <laughs> yeah, they have the contest the, at the fair. The, oh, uh, Some of really? them are 100, yeah. For a large zucchini? For a large zucchini, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And you can get a reward for that? Well, you, you get the blue <laughs> ribbon. And, um, you know, the tallest sunflowers still get because I always oh, plant yeah. the mammoth. And yeah. some of those go up to 14 feet oh, at the fairgrounds. And I don't know how yeah. they do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. I had one, and I had to tie it to one of the trellises because mm-hmm. I figured I'd, I'd, you know, plant them right at the edges of the the trellis, you know, and uh, so that as they grew up, I could tie them. 
And the one I had was, you know, was my was one of my six foot trellises and went up another two feet. So it was only about eight feet. You know, it was not one of the monster ones. But uh, the um, the squirrels let me a th- they they left me a thank you note on the back step. And <laughs> said, <laughs> well, you know, when when I'm lucky enough to get a couple, of, you know, a bunch of you know big sunflowers growing, mm-hmm. I'm thrilled uh-huh. when they do ripen yeah. because the blue jays hang on the head oh, and really? just peck away those seeds. Oh. It's an amazing thing to see, yeah. you know. But obviously. You know, a couple of times I grew, I started growing them indoors mm-hmm. and then put them out when they were about an inch and a half mm-hmm. tall and the yeah, crows pulled them all out, them right you know. Out, yeah. 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 So, uh, you know. I've had the same thing, yeah. That, that's, if you're, if you start them like that, well, even if you start them from seed, you, you gotta somehow protect them to get over that yeah. first, uh, because and if you let them grow indoors too much, they get too spindly. Spindly, and that, yeah, yep. yeah. No, it's a challenge for sure, yeah. A cage is the best. Is your best bet. You know, yeah. I mean, I always say, as much as I enjoy things growing, mm-hmm. if my life depended on it, you know, <laughs> I'd be gone, you know. I mean, well, either the, that or you'd have to eat the squirrels. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for the A&P. <laughs> no, you're not going to be, you know, not gonna you be know, eating the squirrels I'd, anytime I'd, soon. Huh? Yeah, they're my friends. I have a couple that uh, literally knock on the window and come, come, come yeah. in and sit on the sink waiting Chip, for their... For for their yeah, for their uh, peanuts, I, I, I buy unroasted oh, no. uh, shelled peanuts for them, and they come and <laughs> knock on the window when it's breakfast time. Oh my God! They're God's creatures too. <laughs> Absolutely. They, they, yeah, I wish they just eat what I give them, but no, they yeah. they, they yeah. come for me for dessert after eating everything else that's out there. Yeah. Well, I, I remember the first year I had those strawberries, and you know, it was like you you say, "Oh, you know, tomorrow I think I can pick that one." You go back, and tomorrow it's gone. And, and I thought, "Oh, well, you know, they, they need to eat too." But what I found is that they really don't like to share. <laughs> it's uh, and, and it's, it's the either. raccoons too. Yep. And uh, they, when it for me it was corn. I said, "You know, it's going to be about another two or three days," <laughs> and I've got my. So I'm going back 35 years. Yeah. It's yeah. my first harvest of corn, yes. but then uh, yes. the the uh, the big pic the the raccoon picnic took place <laughs> one day before I was about to pick them. <laughs> oh lordy, yep, I know the feeling. Well, that's that's why I my one chapter is uh, the garden fortress. You know, if you really want to live off this, if you really want to, you're going to have to fight for it. You know, there's no question about it. You're going to have to make a fortress. <laughs> Well, it used to be my beagle would chase anything off my deck and out of the garden. And my dopey beagle now, Mm -hmm. as much as I love her, she Mm -hmm. goes out there and eats the seeds along with them. (laughs) She'll eat anything, you know. I know. I know. Ruby was up in the compost pile yesterday. You know, she comes in and carrying a chunk of something from the compost pile. I was like, uh, no. Uh, yeah, I could tell you stories. Well, <laughs> our neighbor has uh, rabbits, and he makes his own compost using uh-huh. some of the uh, yeah. from the rabbits. Yeah. And my yeah. dog goes out there, and that's oh. a delicacy. You don't have to grab her before. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, Ruby's the same way with the deer, the deer little little piles of stuff there. So, <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, um, some of the other uh, benefits. Of using a, a trellis, if if you if you're not convinced yet, is um, is that it does help to um, it does help to uh, uh, keep the bugs you know the squash bugs that will that will bore into the vine when they go right straight up they seem to be less likely to be attacked. Matter of fact, I I, I have to say I've never had any. Uh, of my cucumbers or squashes uh, attacked with the squash bug um, on the trellis because it seems to get it up and away, and if you put a mulch down, it it seems to work really well. So that's um, one other advantage that I like. And then um, as you're picking your – you know, I don't know if you've ever picked in a big – cucumber patch you know you you sort of you know look through under the leaves and try to find you know try to find them all and um you know when you when you leave one and you miss it and it becomes that big cucumber you know that's that you can't really use so much uh 
um, what happens is the plant sort of gets that signal that, oh, we have a fruit with seeds, uh, you know, we're kind of done. So you notice that it'll stop flowering. But if you keep picking them at a, you know, a fairly small size before they set their seed, then they'll continue to flower and you'll get more production out of it. So the the reason I mentioned that is because with the trellis, you're more likely not to have any of those uh, sleepers, you know, growing underneath a leaf that you just don't notice. You're more likely to um, to be able to see all the cucumbers that are on the vines and, and watch them because they're right in your face. And like I said, you know, I kind of shake the trellis and you can see them sort of swing back and forth and that that works really well. Um, I prefer the, the, this flat type of trellis, you know, because one, I can put it on the north side of the bed. You know, there's a, you can make a, a trellis sort of like a hoop house that's, um, that where you use the, um, oh, it's the cattle fencing. It's a six by six. It's, it's almost like the, uh, the stuff used for concrete. And you can cut that and then bend it so it sort of hoops from top to bottom or, you know, from one side to the other. And maybe it's, oh, maybe 40 inches tall or so, just depending on how much room you have uh, and how big, how long you cut it. Um, it would be probably a good 10 feet for a 30-inch hoop and then maybe 12 feet if you wanted, you know, more like a, Oh, a 36-inch hoop, depending on what you're growing and what you've planted. The sort of disadvantage with with that type of trellis is that it makes it harder to pick. You know, you if you uh, the one I I saw online that I was looking at, uh, it was on in a um, on a six on a six foot no an eight foot bed, and I sort of like I couldn't help but wonder how the heck you plant, how you pick those plants in that are four feet in the middle, you know, without crawling in there. Um, the, the six by six is easier to stick your hand in through, but uh, still you, you kind of have to fight your way through the leaves and stuff. So if you're doing that kind of a, a hoop, make sure it's only four foot so you can reach in from, from both sides, the two feet, because that's about as long as you can reach in. Um, and then there's... Oh my gosh, there's just hundreds of different types of, of trellises that you can get. Um, so, uh, you know, whatever you use, if you have something that you really, really like, give me a call and tell me about it. I, I, I kind of like the one that I've, that I've been talking about with the conduit because I've used it for so many years, but I'm always open to suggestion. And, Right along the same subject is um, I usually tie up, you know, whether it's the tomatoes or the cukes or zucchini or whether I tie them up. And the best thing that I've found for tying them up is the Velcro ties. And uh, you can buy them in strips, but I always buy the roll. It's like a 50-foot roll, and it's about a half-inch Velcro strip. And it's so easy. Cut them up into you know four-inch pieces, and you, they'll they work for both the smaller tomato vine and then the larger zucchini ones. That four-inch. And the really cool thing about this is when you're cleaning up for the uh, for the fall, you can pull those strips off and um, uh, let them dry out and save them, use them the next year. They're good for a few years, and so they're they're. Um, I don't know. I just, I, I like them a lot. And gosh, I've tried everything from, you know, bed sheet strips and, you know, the clips and all those different things you use to tie them up with. But, uh, the Velcro for me is, is tops. That's the number one. Um, they have, I think the, the brand name on them is some crazy A-U-U-Y-I-L-L. Um, but anyway, you can see it. It's in, it comes in a plastic bag, and it's about oh maybe five or six inches around of of ve- a green Velcro. Um, and uh, I've seen that both our sponsors they can. And uh, if you're going to get some, uh, get enough for the season because usually by um, uh, by the end of uh, July they're 
they're out, they're done, and they usually don't order anymore. So get enough. Uh, 50 feet should give you um, uh, about uh, 154 inch strips. Um, I usually use uh, about three or four on each tomato plant and each uh, each of the cucumber plants. You don't need to get carried away with them. So you know that's that's enough for you know maybe 40 plants or so. So if you if you have a lot of plants and you want to buy a couple couple rolls, so make sure you have enough uh, as they grow up. Um, Let's see, what else do we want to go over? Well, the Memorial Day, of course, that heralds the 120 days of frost-free days we have here in Vermont. (laughs) (laughs) Can you put that in a contract? (laughs) It's a race. It's a race to September. Um, and if you're, uh, the advantage, of course, is using uh, the starts, the plant starts or sets, um, is that you gain about 50 days. You know, you usually plant them six to eight weeks before they go in the ground, with the exception of onions, which you, you know, you start in January, February. And uh, so the, the frost-free days uh, begin next week. And that that's pretty, you know, you can be pretty sure. We, I've seen frost on June 6th, um, but uh, usually it's a light frost and, and you can cover things because uh, nothing is growing that tall at that point. Um, and then uh, uh, just a reminder that if you have fruit trees, you know, apples or whatever, it is time for the second spraying uh, of um uh, you know, it's we sprayed once at the um, when the buds just were still dormant. You know, that was with the dormant oil or horticultural oil, whatever you want to call it. And then now this is, you know, those those buds have started to open up a good half inch or so. And th- this spraying, this will c- control, uh, you know, uh, the apple scab and the powdery mildew. And blights and mites and aphids, and it, you spray the um, uh, sulfur, and that's approved for organic gardening, um, and it, it works real well to help these. Now, remember, once we get to the point where the where you have your your fruit set and then your full crop cover, we're actually we're, we're done spraying. So this is just in the very beginning, and this will prevent problems in the fall. If you have problems in the the, the, the late summer and the fall, when the fruits are starting to, you're starting to wonder if they're ripe or not, it's really too late to do anything. So you want to get to these, you know, whether it's pears or apples or anything else you, ha- you happen to be growing. So don't forget this, the second spring. It's important um, for the long run, you know, you're not spraying for problems you have today. They're, they're, you're spraying for problems that are lurking there for tomorrow. Yep, and uh, overnight tonight we, we have some showers, but then a long dry spell, so that, uh, yeah. that uh, works out well. I guess we are at the, uh, at that point. Oh, really? It's the fastest hour in oh, radio, gosh. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's past the time. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, not at all, not at all. No, I said, we, uh, yeah, so much to learn and so much to discuss. And, yeah, uh, well, I'm going to get my Velcro. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many tomato plants I broke with a piece of string. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, that's yeah. so nice. These are half inch, yeah. you know, and you don't need to tie them tight. You mm-hmm. know, you can leave them a little loose, but they'll still hold the plant up. And yeah, those are those are good things. Good. So, I guess we will see you next week. Busy weekend coming up. Yes, yes, of course. And that'll be. In, in the, the garden. garden. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we inch go. Inch by inch, row yeah. by row. <laughs> inch by inch, row by row. Gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row. Someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them from below Till the rain comes tumbling down
In the Garden with Peter Burke has been brought to you by the Willie Store, family owned since 1900 in Greensboro. By Poly Construction on Gregory Drive in South Burlington, where one call does it all. By Montpelier Agway, your locally owned Montpelier Agway on East Montpelier Road. By these flowers and garden shop with flowers, hanging baskets, annuals, houseplants, potting supplies, and so much more. They're in Waitsfield. By Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. They have it for you. By Clausen's Florist Greenhouse and Perennial Farm in Colchester. A busy place with top-quality Vermont-grown plants since 1972. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's largest independent home center. Go to sticksandstuff.com for store locations and hours. By PNR Lumber, Route 15 in Wolcott, with family mill lumber for all your projects and great instructions and advice. They're the experts. PNR Lumber, and they're on Facebook as well. By Guy's Farm and Yard, with four locations to serve you. If it eats and grows, guys can feed it. Guys Farm and Yard online at guysfarmandyard.com. And by Dandelion Acres Garden Center, Vermont Route 107 in Bethel. Sponsors of the In the Garden podcast at wdevradio.com. And they're online at dandelionacres.com. And they're open seven days a week beginning at 10 a.m. each day. We'll see you next week. In the garden. Row by row.